Thank you for joining us today on our Eastside Church podcast. Today, Pastor Alex Barefoot will bring our message. Let's listen in. You know, I'm reminded in Scripture, you know, uh, over and over and over and over again, God always sent the Levites or the worshipers up front. He'd send them up front, but he really wasn't concerned about what they were doing. They were actually just kind of leading the way. What God really cared about was what the congregation was doing. He cared about the, the noise, the voices that were coming from the congregation. I'm reminded of David and how much we respect David because he was a man who could just seem to be ignited into worship. But God has that desire for each one of us. And in a congregation of believers like this, there's always going to be a little bit of nerves when we begin to vocalize praise to God. But you know, God's not concerned about how good these guys are, even though we want to give him our best, right? And they do an amazing job. This is a fantastic job this morning. Yeah, we can give it up for them. But what he's concerned about is whether we'll lift our voice to him in praise. And whether you actually have a bent toward it, you know? Some of you might say, well, I'm, I've never done that before. I'm not used to that. Okay, good. Excellent. Today, we're going to get started. And so I'm just going to lead us without the band or anything. We're just going to begin to lift our voices to the Lord. And I want us to do it loudly. Don't be shy. Just, just thank him and give him praise for who he is. And I'll lead us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you because of what he's done. We bless you for your goodness toward us who believe. We, we honor and glorify your name, God. God, we lift you up, God. We praise your name, oh God. Great is your faithfulness toward us, oh Lord. God, I thank you for your mercy every new Every new morning, God, that I wake up, God, your love is poured out on me. Your grace is sufficient for me, oh God. I thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for that, Jesus. Yeah. So, Father, as we come to you today, we're going to open your word. We're going to talk about it. And we're reminded from the very beginning that you tell us this is how you know that you love me. That you do what I ask you to. That you align with me. That you agree with me. That you walk as I would walk. That you trust in me. That you believe. So Father, open our eyes, open our ears as we begin this morning to hear something new today even though We might have heard it in the past. Let it do something that it's never done. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Why don't you greet people around you? If you've got your Bibles, you can open them. I guess to 2 Timothy. We're going to be in 2 Timothy. You might want to put a finger finger in Isaiah 55. Finger. Where's that coming from? That's Greer, Greer, South Carolina. <laughs> today we're continuing in our series on foundations, and today we're going to talk about the Word of God. 
And, uh, you know, I, don't, I, I want you to stay alert. I want you to stay attentive because I hope to present it to you in a way maybe that you, that this going to be fresh. Something that you could take with you that is actually applicable to us as, as we go. And so to do that, I, I, I titled the message, The Transforming Power of God's Word, because it was sent to transform us. And so the first thing that I want to ask you is, do you really believe? And that's important when it comes to the Word of God, because you, you actually have to believe that, that actual word for believe is to put your trust in what Jesus did. Do you actually really put your trust in to what Jesus did? Now, what's it really interesting that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, which is also mentioned in Revelation, but he writes to the church in Ephesus, and this is what he says. He goes through this whole, if you're here on Wednesday night, and that's a plug, we're going through Ephesus. We've done two chapters. We're going, I think Brandon is uh, doing uh, chapter three this coming week. So anyhow, what we're talking about is, is that Jesus, it says in Christ, and I can't remember how many times, but it's in the 20s and in, in, in one and two, uh, what Jesus did. In other words, we could do nothing to earn salvation. Jesus did it, and he did it because it was prepared for the found, from the foundation of the world. Not only was it prepared for the foundation of the world, it brought God good pleasure to do it. So you need to understand that Jesus died for the good pleasure of God. For your and my sake. Now, the question is, do you believe it? So why did he die? And oftentimes what we think and what's been projected in the church over over my lifetime, is that Jesus died so we won't go to hell. And, and Jesus did die, and if you believe, you won't go to hell. That is very true. But what Jesus really did, and what Ephesians says, is that Jesus died so you could be back in relationship with the Father. Right? Jesus died so you could commune with the Father. And God the Father took good pleasure in you being able to commune with him. Now, do you believe? Do you believe God is good? Do you believe God is good? Do you believe God's way is right? I can remember. I was 28 years old when I came to the Lord. And... Uh, I'm trying to describe myself in a, in, a, in a nice way from a pulpit with a mic on. But I was a leader. I just wasn't leading for the Lord. Is that a good way to describe it? <laughs> I was wide open. Always had a high motor, always running and gunning, always that type of, of personality. And those types of per how many we got like that, high D driving types in the room? How many of you have made so many messes in your life you can't hardly, I mean, you know. It <laughs> so, so when I start thinking about believing in Jesus, when I first came to Jesus, I saw his love, I saw his forgiveness. But one of the biggest things I saw is I got myself in a lot of junk. I began to get my messes cleaned up once I got saved when I was 28. So I spent about a year cleaning up my mess. Anybody else ever done that? I hope you have. Because you had them, 
If you haven't cleaned them up, get to work. <laughs> so the biggest thing I came to the conclusion of was my way didn't work too good. I've been making decisions based on the way I've always thought, the way I grew up, the way culture told me to think, or whatever. I've been doing the way of the world, and it hadn't gotten me where I want to go. What I thought I knew hadn't taken me where I wanted to go. And so I made a decision that I was going to discover what God said. Is that important? Absolutely. How do you discover God's way without the Word? You can't. So it's not this studious, it's not this studious thing that I've got to do. I've got to become this student again for those of us who avoid reading. It's not this studious thing, it's self defense. It's self-defense. Why? Because if I make my own decisions my own way over and over and over and over again, I'm going to find myself in the same place or the places or having to fix stuff when I know that God is good. He's good. So if I'll do things the way God designed them, then good things are going to happen to me. That I believe that, that God is going to work things together for good because I love him and I've come into agreement with him. I've called according to his purposes. And so good is going to happen. So self-defense, it keeps me from doing stupid stuff. It keeps me from doing stupid stuff. And it helps me make decisions about the future. So the question is, is it worth our time? Only if you don't want to clean up mess after mess after mess. Some of you right now are in a financial mess. Why? Because you did things your way. Oftentimes. Most times. Generally, it is something about who we are that doesn't look much like God that takes us down a path that causes trouble. Some of us are having relationship struggles because the character and nature that we're presenting to the person we're having relationship troubles doesn't look much like Jesus. You know, my wife tells me all the time, in the spirit, you're an amazing husband. In the flesh, I won't say what she says, but not so much. When you agree with the Lord and you, you're, 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 you're conscious of, of what he says and who he's created you to be, what he's designed and how he's designed to live in relationships and with finances and how, how, what the work ethic that he has. You know, one of the things that I used to do, I, I, I was in sales, you know, when I was a young man and, and, and you know, I, I always set sales goals. And I would set a sales goal, and I'd back the thing out, and I'd figure out how much money I want to make. Anybody in sales in the room? Somebody's got to be a salesman in the room. Oh, we got two, two. Anybody not ashamed of being the salesman? Raise your hand. <laughs> <coughs> so, 
so we used to, you know, I'd figure out what I wanted to make, and I'd work it backwards and fill how many sales I had to have, what was the average commission, yada, 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 yada. Now, that was a great way of doing it, and that needs to be done to some degree. But what I really realized when I got older and got saved is that all I was responsible to God for was my work ethic. And when I gave him what he asked me as unto the Lord, then he brought the increase. It's a total different perspective. You're doing the same thing, but what you're doing is you begin to align yourself with God because of what the Word of God says. And that brings about good. Why? Because God is good, and He wants you to prosper. Again, we, we, I think we've kind of hit that these last weeks, and we have this ideology in American Christianity that somehow uh, prosperity is a bad thing, but God doesn't want you to suffer. He didn't die so you could suffer. He says, in your suffering, I'll be there to bring you out, and I'll work all things together for good. So there's this idea that you must believe. You've got to begin to put your trust in because God is good. His way is right, and his way has the ability to produce something better in your life. That's why the word is so important. There's no other reason for me. There's no other reason. It takes a lot of effort to discover who God is. And even when you do discover who he is, there's 30,000 different opinions of whether you're right or not. And, and you need to actually be able to, to discern that as well because you know the word good enough to figure out who is a false prophet and who's not when i start thinking about this subject i can't i can't get past you know trying to figure god out and understanding how big he is and how much is in this and what a what a lifetime adventure it is to get in the word of god it is a lifetime adventure because there's no way you're going to discover the God who created the universe and everything about him in 75, 78, 81 years, whatever our life expectancy might be. There's not enough time for you to discover everything about God on earth. But let me just give you one thing. You, we know that God wants us to prosper. We, we know Psalm 91. We know that he's our rear guard. He's our front guard. He's, you know, he's protecting us. He's, he's, he's Lord over every disease. How many of you understand that God created Satan? He's a created being. I bet God did. I bet God went, so looked at Jesus when Satan took a third of the angelic host out of heaven and went, dang, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> he didn't. Have you ever thought that he might have he allowed Satan to do what he did so that when he came and he knew that we would be confronting him, that we would actually have to depend on him to defeat Satan? And that he might, there are things that only only those kinds of pressures would get us to turn to God in a way that would actually encounter him in a way that brings victory in a miraculous way and our dependence would then be on him. I mean, there is 
a thousand different thoughts about that idea right there. Do you think you're ever going to understand it? I challenge you and say, I doubt it. And if you think you got it figured out, I'm not listening to you. Because you're too dogmatic and you think too much of your own opinion. That's the truth, is it not? So the guy who got a word from the Lord that said, this is what I want you to do. I, maybe you saw it on Facebook this week. I want you to take the word of God that only the priests have, and I want you to put it in English. I want you to put it in English. And he, on a life's mission, began to translate the word of God into English for the very first time. And he spent years doing so, and of course he got Genesis, and he got, he got the New Testament done first, and some other books in the Bible that he was trying to put together from the Greek and the Hebrew. And the king found out about it, and there's this big group that came against him, and they strangled him and burnt him at the stake at age 40. Where was this God that had our rear? Where was this God that shared the vision? Where was this God? How do I understand the God that allowed that to happen when he put it on this guy's heart to get it done? You know, four years later is when the first translation of the Bible came out in English. And it was declared by the king of England to get it done. His last words supposedly or in history where the Lord opened the king's eyes. There's a lot about God that he wants to reveal to you. He brought the whole English Bible through this man who he gave a vision to who didn't make it to see it completed but he had he had companions who completed the work, and God already knew that that was going to happen. He knew everything about it. And he's got things, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know how hard it is. I don't know what you face. I don't know the difficulties you cha that challenge you emotionally and in and, and every other aspect at work and with relationship and marriage and with your finances or whatever it might be. This is what I do know, though. The God who wrote this book has solutions for you in this book of attitudes and postures and positions before him that open, that loose the kingdom of God into your circumstance and will actually propel you to somewhere you couldn't go without him, and that's called grace. It's called grace. So I'm getting back to the very first point and I'm hitting it the hardest do you believe do you believe if you believe you'll discover God's goodness towards you and you'll take time it'll change your life 
It'll change your habits. It'll change what you value. Your whole value system will change. I was talking to somebody earlier before the service started, and she was just talking about how her eyes had been opened throughout the years, and different value systems for different things, including holidays, were changed as she got to know God better and better. As you get to know this, and as you study this, and as you believe what you're going to discover is the closer you get to God, the more you realize that you're not like him. What you're going to discover is, wow, I thought I had my act together a lot better <laughs> than I did. And it's not going to be discouraging. It's going to be uh, encouraging. It's going to be fuel for your fire because you're going to want to know him better. So the first thing is we've got to believe. We've got to put our trust in him, realizing that he's good. And his word's going to produce something that never could have been produced if I didn't get in it. The second thing that we need to know is what the Bible says about itself. And it says about itself that it is uh, scriptures given to us by inspiration from God the Father. So you've got to make it a decision in your, in your heart, is this a random book or is it a right book? Is it random or is it right? Is it flawed or is it, in, is it, uh, 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 is it infallible? And this is what I want to say to you. Test it. Proverbs 14, 12 said, there is a way that seems right in a man's eyes, man's eyes but it leads to destruction or death. And in this day, we need instruction from God. We need that because we get these own ideas of, of uh, what we think is right. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Woe to men who call good evil and evil good. If, there's not, if that's not in our culture right now, I mean, it is prevalent in the culture. How do you know what's good and how do you know what's evil? Is it this moral compass that you're going you're gonna to design, you're going to self-design your own moral compass because of the way your mother and father raised you or the culture around you? How are you going to define what your moral compass is going to be? It has to be either this is righteous or it's random. And if it's the Word of God, if it's the way God said do it, then it has the ability to bring forth good. Keep upon yourself, it says uh, in Scripture that, <clears throat> excuse me, in the end times, people will heap upon themselves teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. And so what, th th what this is really saying, let me just put this in English. What this is really saying is, I've got this idea about God, and I'm going to find somebody who agrees with my idea, and I'm going to go to the, that church so that my idea can be brought forth to me and I won't be challenged in any way to be corrected by the word of God because they agree with me. And there are all kinds of churches that we can go attend that have every kind of idea uh, out there known to man. But look what the Bible says about itself. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it says here, let me re just read this. Uh, this just backs up that last statement. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Say that with me. Is it up there? Yeah. For the time will come 
when people will not put up with sound, that was so weak. Let's do it again. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship. Say that with me. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is, a true, what is true to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I'm going to turn to Second Timothy in the, in the New King James. And I, I want to read that to you as well. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That's, that's what you do. Doctrine is what you do. Theology is what you think about God. Doctrine is what you do after you think about God. So, so the Word of God is profitable for what you do, for reproof. That actual word means to test it. To test it. So God says, read this, form, formulate your to-dos, and test it. For correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's a way that God designed, and we've heard it all said about a watch and a watchmaker who puts it all together, and, you know, if it were all fell apart on the table... You know, you can't just randomly put it back together. You have to put it back the way that it was designed to be put back together. Everybody, everybody knows that. And so if, if the Bible says about itself that this is the word of God, that it's not random, that, that God in, in his great wealth of wisdom put it together so you and I could actually do what's right, what are the odds of that? You know, if you believe if you believe that it's the inspired word of God, what are the odds of that? Since so many people argue or have a hard time in their mind, golly, man, I, it's hard for me. It was men who wrote that book. Men wrote that book. I mean, Paul's a man. Peter was a man. John was a man. Luke was a man. They're just men. Let me just ask you a question. How many have had biology in high school and college? Ah, good. We got participation that time. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, did y'all study the eye or anything like that in, in those, and how, how incredibly complicated the eye is? Did you know that a giraffe would drown if they didn't have this specific little part in their throat that would keep them from drowning when they bent over to drink water? And it has no way to evolve. I mean, but why? Because when a giraffe drank water, he'd die. <laughs> it, the eyeball's the same way. 
There's no way for the eyeball to, it, it just, it can't evolve as far as being created. Listen, if the God who created this, look at your fingerprint. Everybody knows that they don't have the same fingerprint as the person in, in, on the planet. This ever been created. No fingerprint alike. No feature like we have genetics where we look like our mom and dad a little bit, our family members, but not exactly. Everything has always been created differently. You're uniquely and wonderfully made. If God can do that, if he can put a Chevy pickup truck on a rock and we drive around it, don't you think he's capable of overshadowing a man, giving them the words to write on a page so that he can help generations to come do what's right. The God who created this is this is an easy feat. This is not hard for me to believe when I think about and believe and know that he's creator. It's when we, when we forget the details of who God is all scripture is given to us by inspiration from God. It says about him that he, he, it's the breath of God. He breathed life to it. The last thing is the word of God. If you get into it, if you commit to it, if you believe, it will help you not self-destruct. It'll change your life. It changes everything. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so shall he be. As a man and a woman thinks in your heart, your thinking, the way you do life, the way you come at things makes a difference. That's why attitude is so important. And there's, there's, there's people of God that joy and hope should be the main characteristic of the people of God. Why? Because he is, he is the encourager. He is where our hope is, our, our attitude, our, 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 our posture and position of going at things should be incredibly positive because we know God is going to work it out for good. God's here. God's with me. God designed me. God sees. God knows he's, he's not going to leave me or forsake me or abandon me. As a man thinks in his heart, so shall he be. And then it says later on in Scripture that we're transformed by changing the way we think. If the way you think and, 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 and the posture and position you go at things matters, the, what matters about God's Word is He's going to bring correction to the way you think. And see, that becomes the hard part about being a Christian. You see, we love the aspect that God is going to save me from hell. <laughs> That part's like, hallelujah, I'm glad I'm not going to hell. God wants to change the way you think and the way you do things. What's wrong with the way I think? What's wrong with what I do? I mean, I, I'm all right. <laughs> I like the way I think. That's what we do. What's wrong with the way I think? A lot. A lot. And I'm 61 years old, and I've been following Christ for 30 years, and I'm learning how to think. 
I'm learning how to think. I'm still learning how to think because I'm transformed by the way I think. And so I am going to inundate you with a bunch of scriptures because I want to just tell you what God says about your life and mine as we believe that he is good and his word is right. In John 17, 17, it says this, sanctify them, who's them? Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Y'all can read this with me, it's behind me, right? Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Who's he talking about? He's talking about us. He's talking about the church. It's without blemish. How? It's been cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. We think differently. Psalms 119, 9 through 12 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You, blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes, your ways. John 15, 3. You are ready. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Golly. Jesus saying that to his disciples. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Then he says in 2 Peter 13, 8, but, but, everybody say, but, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 24, 45, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. How many need that? But the, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said to you. And we don't have time to talk about it this morning, but that's what the Holy Spirit's whole work. You, you really got to understand this. We teach, you know, around here, you need to be baptized in water and you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the whole work of the Holy Spirit is to remind you the Word of God. If you don't have the Word of God in you, what is the Holy Spirit going to remind you of? He's going to pull from the resources you have, even if it was in your subconscious mind that is where you heard it, you, he'll, he'll, he'll grab that and bring it back. But it's what's in here. It's what's in here that the Holy Spirit has to work with. <laughs> Look to the person to the left and to the right and say, man, I want, I want more so that the Holy Spirit has something to work with. Would you say that? Yeah? Is that good? 
Ja? <laughs> Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. David says in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Is that not just phenomenal? Lastly, Proverbs 4.20 says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Isaiah 55. When you go home today, read Isaiah 55. It's amazing. The reason I want you to do that I've read a lot of, you know, David stuff and a lot of New Testament stuff. But Isaiah 55 is, of course, Old, Old Testament. It was, it was you know, several hundred years prior to Christ. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today. And forever. The Word of God was important then, it's important in the church age, and it's important for you and me. So, the conclusion as the worship team comes the Word of God is inspired, infallible, and inerrant. It's living, it's powerful, and it's anointed. It's pure, it's solid truth. Is sharper than a two-edged sword. That means it can do surgery on you. The Word of God can spiritually nourish your mind, your soul, and your spirit. It has the ability to sanctify and to cleanse you. The Word of God does. It has the ability to teach you, to guide you, and direct your steps in life and will last and stand forever, both in this life and the life to come. That's what you really need to understand, that this word is never going to die. The kingdom of heaven lives by this set of standards. This is kingdom. We pray and we say, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's right here. In our busyness, in our lives, we just got to make it a priority. So there's several ways. And I, this, is, this is not in my notes. This is just how I do it, man. I listen to it. I listen to the Word. Because I can listen to it for hours in, in a day. When I'm riding in the car, I've got my iPhone. I pop, I pop that U version on my phone. And I listen to it as I go. I take special times that I get along with the Word of God and I open the pages not on my phone so that I can actually see it and get it in me. I've read the Bible multiple times all the way through in different years. Make it a priority. And you've got to make a decision. It's not my decision to make, guys. 
It's like your kids trying to get Jesus through you. That can't happen. They have to get Jesus for themselves. You can't get the word of God through just me on Sunday morning or just whoever's speaking on Sunday morning. We have to make a decision that we're going to put the word of God in our heart because we know and believe that it's good. It's self-defense. I'm going to prosper if I do it. There's no way life can turn out better than if I do the word of God. Don't you stand with me? Let's pray together. Why don't you lay hands on somebody beside you? Father, we ask for your anointing today, God. I just pray like, like William Tyndale did for the king. God, open our eyes. Open our eyes, God. Open our ears, Lord, to your word. I pray, Jesus, that our, our value system not be the value system that, that moves forward in the future, but it's your value system on the emphasis of the word of God in our lives. God, I, that's the first place that I want to come into agreement with you, God. The first place is I want to value the word of God the way you value it, God. And then I know there's hope for me if I'll align with that. And so, Jesus, we ask for your anointing. Holy Spirit, we ask that you reveal your truth. That my sins and my shame and my culture and the way I was raised and my, my church culture or experience it's not what defines me. It's the truth of your kingdom. It's not the American church. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of heaven. Lord, cast off everything about the American church in our lives, God. Let us get kingdom. Let us understand you. It's about you, Jesus. It's about your word, your truth. It brings life and light and wisdom. Lord, let it be in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.